0: Lights, camera, action. Hey, stand up and hug somebody in the Lord, greet somebody. Che, thank you so much. Che was sick this morning, could you tell? <laughs> Let you step up, Thug. <laughs> these new lights are bright. Well, good morning, brothers. Good morning, man. 2016 is here. Amen, huh? Anybody set up themselves for failure and do any of these, uh, what do they call them? What's up? Resolutions. What, what's going on? Dale McNeil's here. He's been your last two. Good brother Paul's been bringing. Thank you, Paul, for serving in that regard. I appreciate it. Thank you. So, a couple things to talk about. Next next month, we'll be having our second annual Husbands Love Your Wives 2. Husbands Love Your Wives 2. It's, a, it's a, an inductive class that we give to help you with your marriage. And who doesn't need help in their marriage? You all keep your arms down. You don't need help with your marriage. Everybody needs recap, retraining, and revisiting. You don't? All right, well, you, you're, you can teach then. I'll give you a mic. Enlighten us. Got a strong word for you men today. I'm gonna start with some vision that the Lord has been speaking to me on on the next step as we take the next step in the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Surprise. There's many of you that attend many of the Bible studies and I'm thankful for it. I want you to keep us in prayer about our military outreach to the to the vets. We've come up a couple snags. But God's got it under control. We're uh, we're real close to breaking through that wall, and and Lord willing, we'll be able to have something here in the next three or four months to go on. One of the things that we want to do here as we focus in with the leadership of the church and what we've talked about is obviously equipping. There's many things that you guys have done, many Bible studies and whatnot, but getting outside the walls and and bringing people to church. How many of you guys came to the outreach uh, for Christmas, huh? That was awesome, wasn't it? There's a lot of people here that I hadn't seen before, a lot of little kids too, which is awesome. There's a lot of little kids in this community. So we want to continue on that step and go forward. We've got a lot of exciting things coming up. we got a couple missions trips to Newark to support our church that we're helping out in Newark. A lot of exciting stuff coming up, and then uh, next year, guys, start praying, saving your shekels for Israel. I want to encourage you to go to that. That's going to be another fun time. If you would, open up your Bibles now to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. We're going to cover something in the dirt. That's what we call the Old Testament, the dirt, the revai, the, 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 the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. But it's a, it's a great word. I think it's a great word for men because it literally deals with the applications of how we function as men how we can get some nuts and bolts application, and how we can understand how to walk as men. Anybody want to be a better walker in the Lord Jesus Christ this year? Anybody want to, this is it then, you've heard the Word. This Word is going to be available online. I want you not to, not to hear me, but hear the Word. It's going to be available, because this is, this, is, this is nuts and bolts stuff. And I think a lot of times, we as men, we don't get nuts and bolts stuff very good. We, we want to play that we think we're a Christian, or we, we got it all figured out, and then something happens again, and you're like, why does this keep happening? What's well, that woman? No, it's not the woman, man. It's you. And you don't fix it because you don't know how. I'm going to give you tools today. Amen? Amen. Title of this message is Prepare, Plan, and Prune. Three Ps. Prepare, Plan, and Prune. In the title of my Bible, it says warfare. I don't know what the header might say in yours, but I'm going to read it through, and then we're going to break it down verse by verse. starts in verse 1 of chapter 20. 20 of Deuteronomy. Page 305 in my Bible. When, stop there, when, I could, I, could, I could do a Bible study right now on that word. I mean, I'm serious, I could totally teach a Bible study right now on that word. But I'm going to let you think about that. When, when you go out into battle against your enemies and see the horses and the chariots And the people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt is with you. Amen. Now it shall come about that when you are approaching the battle, the priest shall come near and speak to the people. He shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, you are approaching the battle against your enemies today. Do not be faint-hearted. Do not be afraid or panic or tremble before them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Man. The officers also shall speak to the, to the people, saying, Who is the man who, that has built a new house and has dedicated it? Let him depart and return to his house. Otherwise he might die in the battle, and another man would dedicate it. Who is the man that has not planted a vineyard and has not begun to use its fruit? Let him depart and return to his house. Otherwise he might die in battle, and another man would begin to use its fruit. And... Who is the man that is engaged to a woman and has not married her? Let him depart and return to his house, otherwise he might die in the battle, and another man would marry her. Then the officers shall speak further to the men and say, Who is the man that is afraid and faint-hearted? Nobody in this room, right? Let him depart and return to his house, so that he might not make his brother's hearts melt like his heart. Mm. It shall come about that when the officers have finished speaking to the people, they shall appoint commanders of armies at the heads of the people. When you approach a city to fight against it, you shall offer it terms of peace. It shall come about if it agrees to make peace with you, then opens to you, then it shall be that all the people who are found in it shall shall become your forced labor and shall serve you. However, if it does not make peace with you, but makes war against you, then you shall besiege it. When the Lord your God gives it in your hand, you shall strike all the men with with the edge of the sword only the women and the children and the animals and all that's in the city and its spoils, you shall take as booty for yourself and you shall use the spoil of your enemies which the Lord your God has given you. Thus you shall do to all the cities that are very far away from you which are not those cities of the nations nearby. 16, only the cities of these people the Lord your God is, say, is giving you as an inheritance. You shall not leave alive anything that breathes the plan, but you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Amazite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, as the Lord commanded you, in order that they may not teach you to do according to all their detestable things which they have done for their little G's, so that you would not sin against the Lord your God. When you besiege a city long time to make war against it in order to capture it, you shall not destroy its trees by swinging an axe on them. For you may eat of them, and you shall not be cut down from them. For it is a tree of the field of a man, but that should be besieged by you. No, obviously not. Only the tree which you know are the fruit trees you shall destroy and cut down, that you may construct siege works against the city that is making war until it falls. Wow. Lord, we commit this time to you. We'd ask that you'd speak. Lord, we know this is an Old Testament application, and we know that we have your Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that we are men who are sealed, but by golly, Lord, we don't make the necessary things to do what these men did. So, Lord, there's no excuse after this on what the next step is. So we'd ask that you'd invade us now. And, Lord, that we'd put down the things that we're fighting against you with and fighting, more importantly, against each other with. Lord, give us clean hands and pure hearts to understand what this Word's teaching. And Lord, that we might apply it. We ask all this in Jesus' name, and all the men of God says, amen. amen. The goal from this message, my brothers, is to get your, to consider this, this life as you walk as a Christian man. You need to move from consumer to contributor. We need to move from consumer to contributor. That's the goal of this message. That's the goal of Christianity. That's, the, that's one of my goals this year, is to move from consumer to contributor. As they say, and I heard it, it's, it talked to you again this morning, the frozen chosen the spiritually constipated, always taking in and never giving out. The reason from this, though, my brothers, is this. is like the first war, it says, when we are waging war, my brothers and sisters, then I don't think we have counted the cost. I think many of you have, and I'm here to let you know that we need to count the cost today. This is the perfect time of year to count the cost. New years, new ideas, new vision, and Lord willing, a new hope. Amen. This is an outline that's given by the Holy Spirit to help you have some more focus on understanding your position in Christ. Do any of you need to refocus or regather at all? Amen? Raise your hand up. Amen? This is for me too. Amen. Deuteronomy 20. Let's go back and dissect this now so we can get some points of application so you cannot say that I didn't teach you how to walk as a Christian man today. When you go out into battle against your enemies and see the horses and the chariots and the people more numerous than you, don't be afraid of them, for the Lord your God who brought you up out from the land of Egypt is with you. My brothers, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is aware of everything that's going on. Amen? So there are things that are going out on, in all of our lives, but God's speaking to us. You know, I'm going to tell you this whatever the war is, you're going to go to battle. Cancer, debt, disease, the woman that you gave me, Lord. No, that's not true. Not for me. (laughs) Suffering, rebellious children, jerks on the road. You can name it a litany of situations and people, right? They're all there. But and you know the greatest one, the Christian brother and sister that rubs you the wrong way in the church, amen. List goes on and on. You know, don't forget what God has brought you through, my brothers. When you go out into battle, guys, we're going out into war. We got to remember this thing. And, and and the thing is, is that we don't think about what God has done. Egypt is a type of the world. Look, it says this, in, in it who brought you out from the land of Egypt. You know, guys, you were in the world. If you're living in the world still, you need to repent. If your focus is on that, we need to deal with that now. If you have focus that is driven by the needs and wants of this world, you know, you need to repent. I think the biggest reason why you need to is because you're ripping yourself off of walking in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are. You're ripping yourself off. You're not tasting the full grace that God wants to pour upon your life. You know, this whole... uh, peaceful gospel or serenity gospel. I'm not going to claim that, but I will say this. I've gone through hell this summer, and I I could I, I don't know how people go through what I went through this summer without Jesus. I really don't. I don't get it, and I'm speaking from a place of victory to understand this, and I want to encourage you to understand this, guys. You know, the context is when you go into battle and you see enemies that are greater than you, when you see things that are too tough for you, you how many of you guys have been in situations where you're like, man, this, this, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to work. Amen. So you've seen the strong hand of God in your life. Remember those. For those of you who don't know this, it's going to happen. But remember what God does, what He did, and what He delivered you from. I often think of the story of one man, one man who, who got this, and He got this from this concept because He's here right now. But later on, he goes on, and this, this is what we call the, the indoctrination of the Marine Corps. Luke is not here. If you would open to Joshua chapter five, Joshua chapter five, 1 through 13, 1, uh, 13 through 14. And I say this to say this. This is a context of what we call a Christophany, where Joshua sees the Lord Jesus Christ. A theophany, Christophany, they work together. But if you look in the Bible, and I want you to do a study on this on your own, what happens when people normally see angels or angelic beings or God? What do they do? Except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fall to the ground in fear. Oh my goodness! Scared out of their chonies. Read it. Do it your study, your own study. Pick it up yourself. I want you to be challenged by that. Everybody, save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they have the Lord inside their fire, everybody else on their face in fear. Everybody else. Save this guy. I want to talk to you about this because I want you men to be this guy. I want to be this guy. All right? Joshua 5. Now, it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went and said to him, Are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? And he said, no. Rather, indeed, now I come as captain of the Lord, host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord has to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord of hosts said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet because the place where you're standing now is holy. So, I want you to think about this. Joshua got, verse 20, go back to Deuteronomy and tell him to develop this. Joshua is a man who, who got the whole commission, was probably one of the men who set down the second stage as we go down for the preparing and the planning and pruning, but he was one of those guys that set forth the man in motion, one of the guys in the church that talked to the men about how to walk, about how to fight, and how to, how to engage war. So Joshua gets all this. So Joshua now at, looks up, And he sees a guy with his sword drawn out of nowhere. And he looks him in the face and says, well, that's a call to commission, what he looks at. He says, I need to find out where you're at because either you're going to die or I'm going to die. But you're not coming through here. I need to find out who you are and what you're doing. I want you to remember that he saw the Lord Jesus Christ in his glory right here. And he fell to his face out of nowhere. Everywhere else in the Bible, guys, people, when they see the Lord or angels, they fall on their face. But Joshua didn't. Joshua was a man's man. Joshua decided and purposed in his hearts to figure out what he had to do and what he was going to do. He went up to a guy with a loaded gun, and he said, well, what team you on? Because I'm letting you know now, these are my people, and you ain't getting to them. He doesn't know that it's God. And once, he, once the Lord Jesus Christ announces himself and tells him, no, I'm the captain, I'm your boss, I'm your commission, he goes, wow, okay, I get it. But you got to think about this. For me and for you, there are going to be times in all of our lives where we have to take the time to take the time to realize that we got to deal with our enemies. We deal with them in prayer and fasting, but we also got to confront we also got to address and we also got to realize that the world wants to kill you. Egypt wants to kill you. You know, we, we, you know what's going on with all these crazy radicalized people that are coming into our areas. What are you going to do? That's, you know, something we need to hardline ask. This is, this is the land of the free and the home of the brave, bought by the blood of Jesus, as I always at at the end. But don't you want to be like this man, Joshua, who got this? So I just take that study from that first verse, and I applied it to there. And I ask myself, you know, these questions. You know, Joshua was a leader of men. He faced, this, he faced the, the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. But he wasn't going to run from a fight. I'm not saying we fight either physically. We don't we don't we don't fight. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we're not afraid of conflict. We're not afraid to, to deal with the tough stuff. We're not afraid to pray. And, and, and maybe some of you guys have been fighting in ways that are, just aren't good. Maybe the the problem with your fight is you. I don't know. but I'm asking you to start thinking about a way, but do not not fight anymore. We have got to fight, we are losing ground. I heard the statistic the other day in, in the Baptist Coalition. One of, my, one of my brothers is a Baptist pre- pastor. They've had the lowest amount of baptisms they've ever had in the history of the faith. More, more young people than ever. More young people under the age of 25 are unchurched than any time ever in the history of America. More young people. Just the way it is. People don't want to hear about your Jesus. And I think a lot of it has to come by because we don't prepare, we don't prune, and we don't plan. Why do I want to follow you when you look like the world? Why do I want to follow you when you act like the world? Why do I want to follow you when you act like a hypocrite? I'm not saying that to you, but I had to do some genuine reflection in my own self to make myself ask myself these real questions, because why aren't people coming? It starts with us, man. And it starts by us asking the tough questions. No matter how old you are, especially you older men, well, you've got more power than you'll ever know with the influence of your grandkids. i tell you what, you've got more power to be salt and light than you've ever, ever, and you get to leave too. You can go, oh, get your, kid family, your Your mom and dad will help you now. You can be so radical with them in teaching in the true concepts of God. And I want to challenge you to think about this. When you, when you think about Joshua from now on, but you you are now held accountable. So let's go to verse two. When you approach the battle, the priest shall come near and speak to the people. He shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, you are approaching the battle against your enemies today. Do not be fainthearted, do not be afraid, panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. So when you're approaching the battle, the priest, Pastor Brett. Men who teach the Word of God come up and say and give you the Word of God. The pastor reinvests in your inner spiritual man truths that speak to you. Lord willing, the deepest parts of your, of your life, and Lord willing, you listen, you pray, and the point of application speaks to your heart so you can have some food for the week. Amen? That's, what the, that's the goal of what Pastor Bread is doing, is to give you what God has given him so you can live a viable Christian life that's more than just communal activity of you plop and drop and sitting, That's not the goal. The goal is to challenge you to make some, Lord willing, investigative reporting in your inside and start asking yourself the questions that need to go. Am I a reflection of Jesus Christ? Am I doing everything necessary within my own will to submit to the will of the Lord? So when you go down that the pastor reinvents in you, just like I am right now, And speaks the truth of God into you. Again, the Lord goes and fights for you, my brothers. There's nothing again that catches or gets King Jesus off guard. Did you realize that? Do you remember that? Your enemies are God's enemies. I want you to know that again. Your enemies, your enemies as a Christian, are God's enemies. Does God love them? Absolutely. But anybody who speaks against you is speaking against the king's kid. Thought about that in a while. You are the king's kid. Embrace that truth. Remember, as Chase said, how great the salvation plan is. Remember what you've been saved from. You know, Heaven is a great place, and I'm stoked to go there, but I'm thankful more, seriously, that I'm not going to hell. I am so thankful. Hell's a real place, man. Gnashing of teeth. The Lord Jesus, another thing you can Google or investigate, is how many times the Lord talks about hell, Jesus, when he was on the earth. It's a real place, man. You don't want to go there. You don't want anybody you love or any influence that you have or any spear to be going to that place. It's a real place. It's a real place. I hope that makes you a little uncomfortable because I think it needs to be said from the pulpits a lot. And that's one thing that Billy Graham never ran from was teaching him on the thing that you were saved from. And I really love that about him. The cross of Christ that we have behind us, the nails that were pierced, that were said. That he took for you, but also the salvation you have in Him. Don't, don't forget that. He saved you. Remember the salvation. So Bible study teachers, anybody in here who teaches the Bible study, anybody who's a leader, anybody who shares in this room, your job as we go down this path right now is to take this and apply it as we teach the Word of God to remember that the Lord your God is with you, to speak into each other. Hey, man, I'm here for you. Hey, brother, I'm here for you. Let's pray. To be available, to be available. To be a man that's encouraging, not discouraging. To be a man that even when he says something or, or types anything, really thinks about what's being said. You know, I've been convicted of this the last year about the emails I've written and, and read. I often think, is, am I conveying Christ right now as I write this? Is Jesus the author of this or am I? Because there have been many times where I've written a lot of emails and God said, stop. Stop. That's you. That's not me. And I thought, man, Lord, thank you for not letting me send that. Or when I've been talking to people, somebody ruffles my feathers, and the first thing you want to do is ruffle back. Stop. That's not me. That's you. That's you. It's getting a little hot in here, huh? Good. 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 Some of us need to take that stiff reflection, though, and think about that. It's a tough one to do, though, because you don't really want to. Nobody really wants to ask the tough questions. Nobody really wants to be so spirit-filled that they hold every thought captive and bring the obedience of Christ. Nobody wants to be in such submission to God to say, Lord, before I even open my mouth, please give me the words. A tough one I'm going to confess it to you. The next step is pruning. the officers so now the, now, now we go down to prepare your, your plan has been prepared. God has gone before you. God has the victory. God has given hate your enemies against you. The, the preparation plans are for you now to believe in faith what God is doing and what God will do. Amen. So now we've got to prune. verse five, the officers shall speak to the people said, "Who is the man that has built a house and is not dedicated? Let him depart to return to his house, otherwise he might die in the battle and another man would dedicate it. This is talking about the guy who may be distracted with his home hobbies, his golf game, I don't know. Whatever, whatever he's got going on at home, his heart is not completely into fighting. He's the guy that you know departs, returns to his house. He's one of these guys, as I was thinking, I come on Sunday and that's enough. I don't need to go to a men's study. Gosh, I've been to one of them. I've heard enough. I don't need to go to no men's group. No, I already know it all. I'm, I'm the, I should be the one teaching. No, I met, met every, and we've, every one of these. There's a man in here. There's at least probably eight or nine of you have that, done that in here. I mean, seriously, I was one of them. Until the Lord said, no, you've got to shut your pie hole and sit for a couple years. And that's what I had to do. Sit and get fed and get broken to realize that, oh, man, I don't have all the answers. The guy went to Bible college. Come on, man. I got more answers than more, almost all of you guys. I've been studied. No, dude, you didn't. You, you, you don't, though. You need to be broken. This is the guy that I think doesn't want to be a part of anybody else's lives. He's the guy that wants to come on Sunday and Wednesday and, and get fed, get poured into, get told how to act, but doesn't want doesn't to engage in anybody else's lives. I'm going to tell you this right now, my brothers. You have something for somebody else, and somebody else has something for you. There's no excuse for you not to be a part of a men's group, if you want, a home fellowship group, if you want, till so you can grow as a Christian man in this church. There's no excuse. And that's one of the goals is we don't give you an opportunity. If you don't want to come, hey, God bless you. Good for you. But you're missing out, man. You're missing out. You're missing out. And I want to encourage you with that this next year. Verse 6. Who is the man that has planted a vineyard and has not begun to use its fruit? Let him depart and return to his house. Otherwise, he might die in a battle and another man would begin to use its fruit. This is the guy who works all the time, is distracted with all that. And how many of you guys used to work all the time? Get stuck. You get lost in your job. You get lost. There's a lot of people that have done that. I've done that before. I got a mandatory three-month vacation in the hospital this summer. 47 out of 53 days with Susan in the hospital. I got broke of that real quick. Real quick. Realizing that work is not who I am. Peace only comes from Jesus, and and I had, and, and Lord had to show me that again, because whether we think so or not, some of us can get consumed by work, by life, by the things that we, that drive us. And it's okay. I think it's okay because God says if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, some of you guys worked your whole life to retire. Praise God, good for you. But God's word is clear on that. He doesn't like laziness. He loves it, hates it. So if you're lazy, repent, move on, and get get busy. Verse seven, and who is the man who is engaged to a woman and has not married her? Let him depart and return to his house, otherwise he might die in the battle and another woman would marry her. This is the guy who is not married or is a man in love. Anybody in that category in this room? Anybody, anybody? Okay, well, good. Then you young men, take, keep it, take it easy over here. Long time, you can get married when you're 30. That's when you probably figure out how you are anyways. That's when I started as a man anyways. That's just me. You know, before you're married, though, many of us, though, dated our wives. Before of us were captivated by her. Many of us were entrenched by her love. You know, that's something I had to go through the summer to remember. Man, dude, what, you're a loser. You don't want to date your wife no more. You don't want to buy her flowers no more. You don't. You know, after almost losing her twice, you know, things had to be paradigm shifted in my life and go, dude, come on, bro. You need to figure this out. So I do. I, I've gone full circle on this again that's why we do the Husbands Love Your Wives conference. It's about teaching you guys again how to love your wife, how to encourage your wife, and how to walk in a way that keeps her Lord willing wanting to follow and submit to you. Because how many of you guys have had a wife that doesn't want to submit? Don't raise your hand. But when she's being led, she does it willingly. And it's a beautiful thing. We're called, my, my brothers, to date our wives again. And that's what I got from this, from a personal application. So I challenge you to be, to be thinking about ways of how to bless your wives in ways that you haven't done in a while. And don't expect, yeah, but I did this. I did the dishes she didn't even notice. I took the trash out. I washed her car. Okay, do it until, because God sees it. You know, Do it because it's the right thing to do. Do it because you're not doing anything anyways. Verse 8. Then the officers shall speak further to the people and say, Who is the man that is afraid and fainthearted? Let him depart and return to his house so that he might not make his brother's hearts melt like his heart. Men, fear is contagious. Fear is contagious. You know, God says in His words, Numerous times, from Joshua 1, 9 to, I think there's over 75 instances in the Old Testament. Be not afraid. Be not discouraged. Be not dismayed. Don't be afraid. So many times because it's our natural instinct to be afraid. It is. You don't have to be. You can choose what the next step is. You can choose to give fear or faith victory. You can choose to remember that in your lives. Fear is contagious. It's one thing I will never give you guys is fear. There's been plenty of times when I've been scared. Scared to lose my wife this summer. It was awful. But I remembered in the past what I'd been through from the last 20 years. I remember being left. I remember losing my job. I remember getting fired twice. I remembered not having my kids. I remembered all these things that God has done. So when we got to this battle, I was like, no, man, I'm not going to be afraid. God's got a plan. And you can either feed fear or you can fight fear with faith. Because fear is the opposite of love. Because in First John it says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Fear involves torment. We love him because he first loved you. Fear is the opposite of love. It's what God's word says. I didn't write it, he did. But fear is contagious. That's why you can't have men who are in leadership that are cowards. Have you ever figured that out? I don't know what happened in our country this this last eight years, but... We have a coward. And it's sickening. It's sickening. To this day, he still has not spoken up against any of the Islamic State incidents, any of the ISIS things, calling them radicalized Muslims or anything to this day. And yet our country is okay with it. You know, guys, we're the minority. I don't know if you've gotten that yet or not. But eventually they'll tell you, "Hey, stupid Christian, shut up! I don't want to hear you. Are you going to shut up? You got to think about these things. That's what's. That's where this is going. Another twenty years of this, it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that. Hey, Christian, be quiet. Remember, said God. Said not to be afraid. Let him. You know, again, fear is the opposite of love. And, and I want you to remember faith is contagious also, though, guys. Faith is. Being excited is contagious. Being in Bible studies with other men is contagious. Building brothers to fight this war is contagious, infectious. Guys, it's truth. I want you to be encouraged. It's a good place to be to remember that you have men and brothers who want to fight with you. Amen? Amen. I do, man. My phone is always underneath my pillow every night. Sometimes I get calls, sometimes I don't. But it's always there for that reason, to be in battle with you. Verse 9, when the officers have finished speaking to the people, they shall appoint commanders of armonies as the head people. You know, there's always leadership in anything that's done with God and the church. We have leaders, and you should know who they are. If you don't know who they are, go to, uh, on the website of our church and look to see who the pastors, elders, deacons, Bible study teachers are. They're all listed on the website. Everybody's accounted for. That's a start. There are also other leaders, you know. There's been, there's been leaders appointed to help you guys. There's been leaders that you're, that, in your life. But being a leader in the, in the church is, is a different thing because you're held to a different standard than the world. And Lord willing, you can be a man that is worthy to be followed. And I pray that of myself. I pray that I hold the truths of Christ at the top. I pray that you can trust what I say. And I pray that my example of Christianity is that of Jesus, and not of myself. And I pray that for all the leaders in the, men's, in the men's ministry too. That's one of my prayers for the morning is you guys would act like men, not be cowards, and not be divisive. Those are the three prayers I always pray, and that no divisiveness would happen. Going back to this though, you know, when the officers finish speaking, the appointed commanders, there's always going to be a headship, guys. There's always headship, pastor, elder, deacon, whatever. There's always commanders. There's always, there's always like the military because we're at war. And we need to have accountability, and we need to have infrastructure. So it's good. So verse 10, when you approach a city and fight against it, you shall offer terms of peace. If it agrees to make peace with you and opens it, then, you, then all the people who are found in it shall become for your forced labor and serve you. However, if it does not make peace with you but makes war against you, so you shall besiege it. So how does this work? Guys, we always try to be peaceful no matter what and whatever we do. No matter what and whatever we do, we try to be peaceful. And that's one of the reasons why I don't send so many emails. That's one of the reasons why somebody asks me a question, I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes go, how come he's not giving me an answer? Well, you don't want to hear what I got to say. I need to pray about it for a couple days before I do it. I need to think about this and ask God what he wants me to say. Because there's, there's a lot of things that we can just answer off the cuff. We can just get into an instant response and we can get to a point where, well, you know, long and short, peace isn't the first virtue that comes out of our mouths. And we want peace to be the first virtue in your wife. You want your wife to be able to tell you anything, even the things you don't want to hear. Your kids, your little kids, your big kids, your adult kids, your neighbor. You want, he, you, you want to be the, the, the house on the block where the people come to get prayer. They know that Christians there, they, they see peace. That's where I go for peace, amen? That's what you want to be, that's what I want to be. And that's what happens when you answer in peace. When you go to a point of extending yourself to be a peaceful person, the Beatitudes, You know, I challenge you to read those this year, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. It's one of those things that Jesus does. He, 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 is, he is peace. He gives us peace. But working the plan is, is the next stage now. So you have to answer in a peaceful way. Anybody can shoot somebody else. We always cut off the heads off of everybody else in the spiritual realm. At least I've done that, and I don't know about you guys, but I think many of us have answered quickly or are gone to a point where, yeah, and holding your thoughts captive to think, wow, is this going to give this brother peace, what I'm going to say? Because there's always an opportunity to give grace, but what you want to see in a situation where, you, where you're asked of something or something comes against you is, well, I can choose peace or I can choose war, and I don't want to choose war anymore, especially within us. But against the world, against the world, hey, there's going to be a time we're going to have to choose war. And I think the biggest war that we can do, guys, is prayer. Prayer Sunday night, I highly encourage you to come. It's the power engine, the steam engine of the church, it really is. And more victory is done in prayer than anything else that I. in my life, I can tell you that. I fell in love with it again. Let's go down this piece, though. So 14 and 15 and 16, we'll read now. Only the women and the children and the animals in the city and all its spoils you shall take as booty for yourselves and you shall use the spoil of your enemies which the Lord has given you. Thus shall you do to all the cities, all the cities are very far from you which are the cities of the nations nearby. Only in the city of the peoples that the Lord your God is giving you as inheritance, you shall not leave anything that breathes. Your job is to be men. Your job, men. Your job is to be accountable to what God has told you to do, to deal with this year. Have you asked God this year what he wants from you? You are a part of his inheritance. Every man in this room that confesses Jesus Christ, we're going to heaven. We're standing on the threshold. Some of us closer than others. All of us are going to heaven in this room, Lord willing. I think everybody in here is a Christian. Otherwise they wouldn't be here on Saturday morning, I hope. Getting fed. Could be, could not be but your end plan is made up. But your plan, though, for me, and this is the plan that I'm going to ask you, maybe is this, to kill those things that are not any value to you. To to kill those things in your life and in your world that are hurtful. To ask God, do you want this in my life anymore? A lot of people don't want to ask these tough questions, though, because they like having a little bit of this. You know, for me, I was an alcoholic for a long time, a long time, a long time, and I'm I'm glad that none of you guys know this about me. You only know me as a Christian, but for me, being around booze, huge temptation, so I don't do it. You know what I do? I kill it. It's not a part of my life. I just don't go around it. It's not something I want to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of it. Some of you guys have had some other addictions. Some of you had some other situations. Maybe it's pornography. I, I don't know. I remember the story, though, about, um, let's go down to 17. I want to tell you a story. 17, 18, 19, and 20. So you, now, you need to work the plan now. You need to prune those things out of your life. And now we've got to work the plan. But you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that, you may te- you may not teach, that they may not teach you to do according to all their detestable things which they have done for their God, so that you would sin against the Lord. All that sin was always there before, guys. Remember it and do it no more. Do you guys remember that movie that Kirk Cameron was in, The Love Dare? Is that what it's called, Love Dare? You remember that movie? Fireproof, thank you. Fireproof, my bad. Then they did the book called The Love Dare. That's right. Do you remember that scene in that movie where finally he got his computer and he threw it out? He got radical. Do you remember that? Some of you need to do that now in this room. Whatever it is, I'm not saying you get porno problems. Maybe it's your mouth. Maybe you need to shut it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a you gossip, you got ugliness in your heart. Don't say nothing. Try this for a week. Don't say anything. If it doesn't edify, because let no uh, no let no undefiled word proceed from your mouth, but only a, such a word that's necessary for edification. If it doesn't edify, maybe don't say it. I was convicted of that. One one month, I tried to do that. Man, I didn't talk a lot, and God spoke to me. God spoke to me, ooh, you got a big mouth. Now I'm going to get somewhere with you. I'm going to get somewhere with a man who submitted to me. I'm going to get somewhere with a man who doesn't realize he's, that all, he's got all that going on. I had to let myself, allow myself to kill the parasite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Jebusites in my life. I had to get to that point where, like Kirk Cameron did, he got rid of that computer. You know, you got to deal with sin, guys. <laughs> Some of you guys don't want to kill sin. I can't help you with that. But if you want to, hey, I'll help you make sure it's, we stand on its throat forever. We cut its head off. You know, I taught, I taught the little kids. I taught on the Valley of Yehud the story of, uh, <laughs> of David and Goliath. And I asked them, can I teach the full version? No, you're going to freak the women out. But, you know, David, when he got done with Goliath, when he got done with him, he stuck that rock in his forehead. When he didn't get that. He went and got his sword. He went and he got his sword, his sword, and he cut that head right off, man. And then he grabbed his head. He grabbed his head then. He just, didn't, he just didn't go, oh, you're dead, no. No, man, he grabbed his head and he showed everybody, hey, look, man, this guy's dead. Now let's go kill them. How many of you are brave enough to do that in your own life with your own sin? hey man, I'm done with it. I'm putting it out. Help me with it. Somebody carry this with me. That's an illustration, isn't it? Pray you got that right now. Some of you need to cut the heads off of things. You think it's dead. It ain't dead. It's lingering around. Some of you talking to people you shouldn't be. Stop it. Stop it. Some of you having some of your old friends in the world, what are they doing for you other than trying to bring you down? You know, if I stand next to Stephen, I'm giving him probably 50, 60, 70 pounds. No matter what, Stephen can pull me down a lot easier than I can, be, than I can pull him up. Just the laws of physics. He's strong in his position and pulling me down. Guys, if the relationships in your lives aren't lifting you up to Jesus, then what are they doing? What are they doing? If you're not lifting your, your, your wives up, what are you doing? I know it's a strong word, but there's a lot of things that have to be dealt with in your own lives before you can take the next step in victory to remember what God has done. some sometimes, sometimes we walk around like sissies. I don't want to kill that. Oh, Why not? I bet if you told your wife, she would be happy. I bet if you told your wife that you wanted to pray with her, she'd freak out. I bet if you told your wife you wanted to, I don't know. You can tell a lot of things, but just a lot of things that they want you to do that you haven't done. So I guess the question is this, all that sin is before, don't do it anymore, and that's the question to ask yourself. We need to kill all those things in our lives to plan, to prepare, and to prune, to allow God to be a more usable vessel this year, nineteen twenty. When you besiege a city a long time and make war against it and capture it, you shall not destroy it, its trees by swinging an axe against them, for you may eat of them. You shall not cut them down, for it's a tree of the field that it should be, that you should besiege, be besieged by you. Only the tree which you are which you know are not fruit are not fruit trees. You shall destroy and cut down that you may construct siege works against that city and making war until it falls. Lastly. You know, I think about this tree. I think of the illustration that Jesus says he's the vine in John chapter 15. He doesn't want you to cut down fruit trees at this time because he, wants, he wanted these guys to use the wood for the other things, to besiege a city, to, to help tear down the enemies. And that's what I'm called to do too. I'm called to help you guys tear down the walls of your lives, help us all grow together, besiege. But remember, guys, sometimes in the killing <laughs> of trees, we, we get a little crazy. There's some good fruit there we got to remember that we're all planting some sort of fruit. How many of you like fruit? I grew up in California, had an orange tree in the backyard, peach tree in the front, orange, uh, beautiful, beautiful Valencia oranges, beautiful fat peaches every year. So I like fruit. So, but I remembered though, that every other year, my father had to just annihilate the peach tree. I was like, man, what are you doing? I mean, he just cut this thing all up and then two or three years later we'd have more peaches than we'd ever know the same thing with the orange tree in the background i thought about that you know thinking about this study going you know guys we're to remember that surely somebody in here could have been held hostage by their own fear not understanding your position somebody in here might be that but these are every one of us is a tree in here guys and we're all called to make fruit. Amen? We're all called to make fruit. So, as, as we finish up, I want to challenge you to think about this. We are not all called to cut off the limbs of our brothers, though. The, the limbs of the other people in the world, if they need to be cut off, so be it, you know? Sometimes we got to cut it off. Sometimes we got to cut off relationships. Sometimes we got to cut off things that aren't productive, you know? Sometimes we just need to, to cut it off. But other times, especially with us, we need to remember that we're, we're not to be cutting off each other's limbs. We're called to help. We're called to be helping each other up. Fruit inspectors, but not fruit killers, tree killers. We're called to help prune each other and encourage each other, but not stand in the way of each other. Amen? I think that's so. The goal from this year is to prepare. To prune and to plan, guys. The plan is this. We need to prepare for war. Our adversary wants to make you ineffective. He wants you to keep you out of the war. He likes you here at church. He loves you here at church because then you're just sitting here coming on Sunday and Wednesday, just plopping and dropping. It's his funnest thing. Oh, yeah, then you're thinking, yeah, dude, I'm doing good. I'm at church. Is that all you want from your life is to come to church? It's just another type of uh, social club, isn't it? I'm being honest, straight up with you. It's not, though. Our job is to rescue people from hell. Did you know that? Our job is to pouring into others to help them deal with what they got to deal with. Our job is to build one another up in the most holy faith so that our neighbors, our sphere of influence, can see that what is wrong with this guy, because he's always happy. He's not letting this get discouraged. He's not discouraged. He's walking in the strength of God. What is wrong with this guy? And when we meet with the other people from our past, we can just lay the gospel on them. and they don't want to hear it, so be it. They want to offer it. It was one of the biggest things I remember when I first got radical with God. He got radical with me and he changed my life. But my buddies would come up to me. Yeah, dude, you like Jesus? That's awesome, man. Good for you. Hey, let's go get drunk. Dude, I love Jesus. I know, so do I. Let's go get hammered. No, dude, you don't get it. When you love Jesus, that's not who I am no more, bro. Look at me. Look at me. I tell the guy, like, look at me. Shut up. Look, I love Jesus. I'm not going there no more, but I want you to come with me. Ooh. Oh, wait a minute. He's serious. He's serious. So you're not going to go get drunk? Dude, I don't want to get drunk no more. What part of that don't you get, but I want you to come to church with me? Nah, dude, I'm not going to church. I thought you were just playing, you know, like you always do. You just play. Some of us don't take the next steps to get that radical. you got to get radical with your sin, man. Otherwise, if they don't see enough, here's the, po- the proverbial question, and it's me- not meant out of guilt, but it was something that was to me, and I challenge you. is there was, If Christianity was a crime, is there enough evidence to kill you? And not coming to church either, that's easy. Anybody could, can sit, plop, and drop and do what we're doing now. We don't want that. We want to be men of excellence, men who are like Joshua, men who want to stand now and remember the call to, to fight. Is that who you want to be this year? Is that who you want to be this year? Come on, man. Jeez, I know a lot of you guys have more gray hair than me, but come on, man. It's a good thing to be excited about. Amen? Amen. So let's submit to the Lord. Let's stand up and pray. Let's get out of here. So, Lord, thank you for this word. I pray that we're challenged, Lord, from this. And if there's anybody that wants to walk up and get prayer to, to, to get their, right, their life completely right now, we pray that we'd be men who would stand in the gap for them. We, we pray that we would be men who would want to be like Joshua. And when our enemies come and they want to cut our heads off, we don't go, hey, man, I don't know whose team you are, but I'm here. And then we go away, then we, then we do like Joshua did, fell down in on worship, and we're guys that would take guys to Jesus. That's our goal, but we're not cowards. So Lord, we pray that now. Lord, we pray if there's fear in this room, that you'd exercise it this year, out completely. We pray, that, uh, 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 we pray to Proverbs 28.1, boldness for the men's ministry of Calvary Chapel Surprise. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Lord, let us remember our position. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. Get out of here. Love you guys. Thank you guys. God bless.